We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 29th, 2021. Today's show, folks, it's Therapy Monday as I give my full thoughts and reactions from what happened over the weekend at williams Bryce Stadium as the Gamecocks dropped their season finale to close out the 2021 regular season at 6-6. Six and six. Guys, again, I'll give my full takeaways, just what went wrong on Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium. Also, guys, on a more positive note, we are talking Gamecocks basketball as South Carolina Frank Martin squad moves to 5-1 and one early in this 2021-2022 basketball season with a win over the Ryder Broncos. Guys, again, I'll talk about that game. My biggest takeaways, we'll hand out the Shooter Shoot Award and talk what's next for Carolina basketball as well. Also, guys, news and notes to get into, your listener questions, voicemails, and we have a fantastic throwback conversation. Great interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Philip Dukes, that I know you're sure to enjoy, guys. Before we get into everything, this show, as always, is brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, for all your moving needs this holiday season, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. is what I feel here on this therapy Monday. Pain is all I know, it seems, in my life as a Gamecock fan. And pain is something that, in pulling for this team, we all share in common. So let's have a therapy Monday together, and let's do our best to cope with the pain as the 2021 season 
comes to an end. Folks, hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, happy Monday. Appreciate you all tuning in. Got a lot to get into. Obviously, a packed show. Um, first things first, guys, I want to say this. To all of those, as the season comes to a close, to all of those who came out to the tailgate over the weekend, thank you all so much. We had an absolute blast at Seawells. Um, the TSUS tailgate was incredible, unreal, the best one by far, which I wasn't surprised about that at all. And again, appreciate all you tuning in, all those who are locked in today here on this Therapy Monday. I uh, hope this show finds you, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you get the day off, you might be in class, whatever it is, guys. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. But as the season, as it really hits me, that the season now is over, and as we await the Gamecocks bold destination, I do want to take a moment to say again, thank you to all of those who came out to the TSUS tailgate and showed love and showed support and rock with the merch and rock with the content and tuned in the shows and tuned in the daily crow and just really rocked with everything we do guys. I do want to say thank you all for, you know, not just on the field, of course, and we're going to get more just a second, but for the business, for the content, for everything we've been doing, all we're doing, all we're going to continue to do. You guys made the 2021 football season, a massive massive success and again when I first moved here you know again selfishly in August of 2019 and began doing this full-time I always had a vision and a goal and a dream if you will of having my own tailgate where we could set up we could set up shop and, and host and have fans come by and have have great Gamecocks come hang out and interact and so again those anyone who ever took even a moment to grace the tailgate and come by and say what's up again. I, I say thank you all so, 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 so much. Uh, it was it was incredible partying with you all season long. And, uh, you know, it was really honestly emotional sitting there with a good buddy of mine after the game on Saturday night, and just sort of looking back at the stadium and saying, man, you know, the season came and gone so quickly and uh, so many great memories from the season, again, especially at the tailgate and interacting with you all, all you great folks as well. So again, guys, I just want to say on that first positive note, Thank you all so much for your continued love and support all year long. And, of course, I'm going to have more content later this week looking at uh, the season as a whole and handing out awards in our postseason award show, and we'll grade the season, we'll grade everything that happened and sort of start to really turn the page and look ahead, and especially as we learn with the Gamecocks will be bowling this, this, uh, this December. You know, we'll sort of start to turn the page. But, of course, guys, today's show here, we are starting off, and we're talking about what happened on Saturday night. The Gamecocks fall to the Clemson Tigers by a final score of 30-0. to And I'll start first by saying this, and I said it in the postgame, you know, tip your cap to Clemson. And I'm sure there's many Clemson fans that are tuned in today, much more than, uh, than normal. And listen, I had a lot of fun. Rivalry week was a blast last week. You know, it really was. Uh, I had a lot of fun last week at Clemson fans' expense. And, you know, the beautiful thing and the harsh reality of rivalries as well is that, hey, when you win, there's the glory and you get bragging rights and you get to boast and you get to talk junk and you live with that for 365 days until your two teams square off again. But when you lose, when you talk trash and you lose and you lose the way that South Carolina has lost and you lose the arrival with the frequency in which they've lost to them, um, you know, it is uh, it's pretty brutal and you got to live with it on the other side. And, you know, you got to hear from the Clemson fans, and I would say Gamecock fans, if you got Clemson fans talking trash to you and, you know, they're trying to get under your skin and they're saying whatever, they're saying this, they're saying that, let them. Let them, because there's not much we can say. There's, there's not a rebuttal that is fair after what happened on Saturday night. Again, 30 to nothing, the final score. 
And uh, I'll live with that. So, again, the Clemson fans, too, and I'd say to you, tip your cap. Um, you know, I may have said all I said about you last week, and a lot of it was 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 in in good fun and playful. And, again, I, I wonder if many of you were able to, to comprehend that because I'll tell you what, Gamecock fans were awesome last week. Clemson fans gave me exactly what I hoped they would uh, with sharing the videos and engaging with the content and all that. But, uh, hey, Clemson kicked your ass. I mean, there's no other way to put it, guys. I, I could really do this podcast in, in two minutes if I really wanted to. But, uh, you know, I joke with buddies and I joke with people that the mic is my therapist, and that's sort of how I feel today. Um, I'll tell you guys this, because again, I'm very much, you know, it's funny. I've been doing this long enough now where I've sort of heard it all. You know, I've had people say that I'm negative and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm a pessimist and I'm toxic and I'm terrible for the Gamecocks and I'm terrible for this fan base. I'm a horrid representative. And the way I talked about Muschamp and the direction of the program and how, how brutally honest I was a lot of the time. Okay. And then a change was made, and obviously Shane Beamer is my guy. I wouldn't be rocking merch with his name on it, folks, if he wasn't my guy. But it's funny because there have been people, believe it or not, this season who have said, Chris, oh, you're, you're, you're overly optimistic. You're kissing ass to people. You're too positive, which it's just so funny how life comes full circle. And again, you get to a point where you sort of just hear everything. But the one thing that I've always been and will always continue to be is real. And so I'm going to be very real with you here on this Monday. Because, again, I'm not someone that I've kind of gotten past, believe it or not, I've gotten past the, the stage of life where South kind of winning or losing a football game, especially losing a football game, I've gotten past the point in life where that's going to affect my entire week. You know what I mean? When I was younger, uh, when I was a younger Gamecock fan, when I was a kid, when I was in middle school, even early high school, you know, it was one of those things that, you just carry the weight of your team's performance. When you're a diehard, you carry that weight. And I would let it affect me, right? And so this year, you know, we've had some bad losses. Georgia, Texas A&M, certainly, Tennessee. You know, you brush it off and you move on, right? No big deal. But being 100% transparent, 100% real with you guys, waking up on Sunday and enduring that, what happened on Saturday night, I cannot tell you guys, honestly, the last time that I woke up and was so dejected from the result of a football game. And again, I sit here talking to you on this Therapy Monday, and I, I don't know how many days it's going to take for me to really get over it. And it was a more just sick-to-my-stomach feeling. Because we talked all week how this Clemson team was supposedly, quote-unquote, down and this was the one to take advantage of. And you had momentum, you know, winning two of your last three, beating Florida, beating Auburn, showing some promise, showing some progress, having, which by the way, shout out to the crowd, Gamecock Nation showed up and showed out yet again. And I, and I just really do truly feel for the Gamecocks fan base because it's becoming a very disturbing trend that anytime we sell out for a night game and we hype up a game as being a huge game, we normally fall flat on our face. And I hate that. I hate that for our fan base, because Saturday night was an electric environment. So kudos to you. You did your job. But that was as dejected and distraught as I felt the day after a South Carolina football game, guys, in quite some time. And again, I'm not a guy that wallows in self-pity and 
and is negative to be negative and is sad in any way. You know, I have perspective on life and everything, and I, I carry that attitude in my personal life and stuff like that. As long as you always have perspective, right? As long as that's your driving force, you know, you'll always be happy, et cetera. But in the sports realm, I, I, I couldn't fake it yesterday. I couldn't. Um, and even carrying it into today as well. And I, and I think there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, guys, there's no, there's no point in sitting here and, and trying to dissect, oh, you know, this went wrong or that went wrong. It all went wrong, guys. It all went wrong. You were outgained 364 yards at 206. You were outrushed 265 to 43. I mean, that number right there, again, we all knew. You know, you finish six and six. This team is who it is. We knew that number would tell us the story. We knew it. We knew it would. And it did once again. But what's so demoralizing, because, guys, I entered this game knowing, and I think we all did, right? We all knew that South kind of could lose to Clemson. No doubt. No doubt. And I even picked Clemson to win, and I know that was a big brain, big brain prediction, but we all knew it was possible, right? We all knew it. But as I said earlier in the season, we can handle losing. We're Gamecocks. <laughs> we're, we're, we're experts at handling losses and bad losses. But the reason I was so dejected and demoralized and distraught, it's just getting so old taking on these guys and playing these guys in the upstate and them being non-competitive football games, guys. Just non-competitive. Your last five meetings, you have lost by an average score. The last five meetings against these guys, you've lost by an average score of 31.8 points per game. And this was supposed to be the year that, you know, oh, Clemson's falling off. The dynasty's over. You know, Beamer Bowl at home at night. And, guys, I talked about it last week, the pressure for the Gamecocks and how, hey, this has been your best chance in a while and you've got to take advantage. And, I mean, guys, I, I don't want to be doom and gloom here on this Monday, but realistically, when will South going to beat Clemson again? You know what I mean? When, when's it going to happen? Because you think. I think Clemson's going to bounce back next year. They're, recruit, they're recruiting at a very high level still. You lose key pieces, and you got to go to their place next year. So most likely you don't beat them then. And again, it's, it's very hard to project and look that far ahead when it comes to college football in these games, but it's just getting so old, and, and, and it's so disheartening to watch this rivalry and just watch uncompetitive matchups and uncompetitive matchups in which the orange and purple are getting the best of the garnet and black. It's tough. It's, it's really tough to stomach. Again, I, 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 I'm kind of sitting here. I don't know if I would have rather South kind of lost to Clemson the way Bama lost to, or excuse me, Auburn lost to Bama the four overtimes, or would you rather just lose 30 to nothing and have no hope. Because on one hand, it's like, hey, we never had any hope anyways. So I'd rather not get my hopes up. 
But on the other hand, guys, hope's a beautiful thing. And it was a lot of fun last week getting our hopes up and feeling like, man, we got a real shot to get these guys. It made last week fun, like really fun. Really, really fun. And at no point Saturday night did you have any hope. No point. No point. I mean, the moment Will Shipley and that Clemson offense went down the field and scored that first touchdown, I definitely had a sick feeling of, oh, my God, here we go. Run defense isn't going to be there. We, we can't run the football. We, we have to ask Jason Brown to do too much, which, hey, like I said, guys, I, I, I've, you know, I, I think he for, will forever be remembered in a positive light for what it against Florida and Auburn. But that game Saturday night again just kind of proved, you know, when you're in a game like that and you can't run the football, you got to have that guy. And Jason Brown is far from the only problem or even the main problem on this offense, right? But the lights shine a little too bright, man. And stars shine in a game like the one we saw Saturday night. And guys, even in a down year, Clemson right now just has more of those stars. They just do. Stars shine bright in a game like that. And they did yet again on Saturday night. And I want to say this too. I, I, I loved what Shane Beamer had to say in post game. I, I rock with Coach Beamer. Obviously, guys, all aboard the Shane train, Beamer ball. I rock with Shane Beamer, and I believe in what he's doing, and I believe in what he's building, and I think he's the guy to get the Gamecocks um, to where we all want to go, to where we all want to be. But again, what's so frustrating is just this, just the disparity and, and the, the score differential between these two sides. Because we see it all the time in college football, right, guys? There are teams with lesser talent that play other teams that have more talent than them, and they give them hell. They give them a great game. Look at Auburn, Alabama, for example. So, you know, I understand a first-year coaching staff. I understand the talent gap, if you will. But it's just hard for me to comprehend how you can be averaging losing by more than 30 points per game in your last five matchups against these guys. It's just, and it's so disheartening, like I said, guys, because this was supposed to be the year you had your your best opportunity to do it. And I think Clemson fans were genuinely concerned coming in this game. I don't think they really knew what to expect from their football team. And, you know, Saturday night just go to show you it again. You're just that far away, especially in the line of scrimmage. You're not there. Clemson's defensive line dominated you. And the offensive line that had been a sore spot all season long, um, <coughs> delete that. It reared its ugly head yet again. And again, I, I believe in Shane Beamer. I, I think he's going to get this thing turned around and go in the right direction. And again, like I said, guys, we'll talk more later in the week about the season as a whole because, you know, six and six, you're going to a bowl game. You know, it's crazy, guys, looking back at my preseason predictions. Um, hit the nail right on the head, even when it comes to SEC record, everything. Six and six, three and five, had that in the preseason. The only game that we missed on was I picked Tennessee as a victory and Florida's a loss, and those two were swapped. Other than that, we hit the nail on the head, truly. 
picked this game in the preseason as a 25-point loss. And what do you know? You lose by 30. And we'll talk more, like I said, guys, and shed perspective on this season and what you accomplished. But again, today's show here on this Monday, this Therapy Monday, it's all about what happened on Saturday night. And there was nothing good that happened. Truly, there was nothing good that happened. Outside of the tailgate, the environment, and I'm a hurt Gamecock today. I, I am. I am. Um, I mean, there's just not a lot to say, man. You, you got your ass kicked. And again, tip your cap to Clemson. They dominated you in all, every phase. Uh, you had no answer. They whipped you. They, they whipped you. There's no other way to put it. They whipped you. That's it. I mean, how, how else can you describe what happened on Saturday night? They whipped you for 60 minutes. Dominated you in every facet. And, you know, again, I, I want to say thank you to the seniors who fought their guts out, and it, it's a shame they went out that way on their home field. But uh, you got whipped. You got whipped. And, listen, it's about going and getting big-time you know, big ball players. You just don't have enough of them right now. You don't. You don't. And, I mean, again, I, I hate harping on that over and over and over again because, hey, look what you did against Florida. Look what you did against Auburn. There's obviously some pretty decent players on this team, and I know everyone wants to talk, by the way, Marcus Satterfield and the offensive coordinator, he's got to go. He's got to be fired, guys. Again, I'm team Beamer. If Beamer wants to make that move, so be it. I 110% support it because I definitely understand the argument of fans who want him gone. Because here's the thing. You know, someone like me can talk, you need more big-time players. Because you do. You do, right, guys? You can lose games with great football players. But you can't win games if you don't have them, if you don't have great football players. And Clemson still has great football players. They do. They do. Still a lot of talent on their roster. Even being down on the players they were, and still a lot of talent on their roster, no doubt. So you got to go get some big-time players. But at the same time, you know, uh, the Marcus Satterfield, your offensive coordinator, his name is on it, right? And – the fact of the matter is this. You were a, a basically abysmal on offense this season for most of the time, right? Finishing 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC. So you are what you are. And so that's Marcus Satterfield's product. Again, how much of Saturday night do I put on the play calling specifically, guys? Again, again, you got whipped in every phase. Coaching, too. You got outcoached. You got outclassed in every facet of the game. Every facet. Just no other way to put it. What, what else can you really say? And, guys, that's my biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway from Saturday is we've just got a long way to go. We've still got a very, very, very long way to go, not only in building this program and challenging elites, but challenging Clemson. And, hey, listen, again, to the to – the, satisfaction of all the Tigers that I'm sure are tuned in. Um, I mean, I'll go on record and say it, and I said it on social media. Clemson owns you. There's just no other way to put it. You know, we talked back to the, the five-game winning streak and what you did 9 to 13 and how it just felt like. How it felt like when you played Clemson, right? We were in their head. And no matter what the situation was, we knew we were going to win. And we expected good things to happen. And they more often than not did. 
you know, and, and there was a mental block for Clemson when they played South Carolina. They used to fear the block C and what we had going. And now it is completely flipped. And now it is completely opposite. And outside of continue to coach your butt off and go recruit some big-time players, I don't know what else has to change to change that. You know, I, I really don't. Again, outside of players making plays and stepping up and, and, and getting, getting some big-time players that can bring that, that mentality and, and be the difference makers you need, to go out in a game like a, a rivalry game like Saturday and go win outside. I don't know what else you can do, guys. I don't know what else you can do. I don't know what else you can do. Obviously, there's issues that have to be fixed uh, in the offseason and need to be fixed immediately, whether that be on the coaching staff or personnel or what have you. But, um, yeah, it's a shame. It's a, it's a shame for Gamecock fans, like I said, guys, because the tailgate was electric. Um, the fans were incredible. You know, don't 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 listen to uh, any rival sites that want to talk about the fan base and this. Dude, it's a rivalry. Of course, they're going to shit on our fans. We're going to shit on their fans. That's every single rivalry ever in the history of the world. I, it doesn't matter to me. Gamecock fans were incredible. Gamecock fans were incredible yet again. The atmosphere was electric. Gamecock walk was, I've never, I mean, I've never seen Gamecock walk like that ever, ever. It was nuts. It was nuts. And it's just a shame that our fans don't have more uh, to crow about. And not even don't have more to crow about, don't have a damn thing to crow about. So, you know, listen, I'm, I, I know I'm going to hear it from Clemson fans all week. And again, you guys, uh, your team nerd it. That's it. I still don't like you. I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, it was uh, never anything personal last week. Again, it's always going to be rivalry banter and smack talk from yours truly. We're always going to have a lot of fun with it and, and poke and prod you guys. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I can sit here and also say that, you know, Clemson's a lot better than South Carolina. And Clemson owns South Carolina right now, man. It's, it's Shane Beamer's job to change that. that. That's why he's employed. That's one of the reasons he's been hired. Uh, it, it's it's his job to get that figured out because something's got to change, man. A seven-game losing streak and a rivalry that has turned into a non-competitive contest, a non-competitive football game. And that's the most damning part of it all. Not that you lost. It's, it's not that you lost. You know, if you'd have lost by my score prediction, 23 to 17, I could have lived with that. I could have lived with it. They're like, damn, we're getting closer but we're not there yet. But, I mean, to lose the way you did, that's what hurts so much for me, guys. That, that's, that's what hurts. I, that truly hurts. And, again, like you said, I, you know, I, I went to the, to, the, to the basketball game. We're going to talk about that more in just a second. Obviously, break that down. Um, I, I, I just honestly, man, I wasn't even that hungover Sunday. Really wasn't. Because, again, the TSUS tailgate was crazy. But I held it together for the most part on Saturday. I, I wasn't even that hungover. But again, I, I have not. It's been a long time since I was that dejected and that distraught and just that, I don't know, dejected from a Carolina football game. Um, and I still am, truly, honestly. I, and again, I don't want to be the doom and gloom because, hey, a lot of great things happened this season. And we'll talk about those all this week. We'll talk about those all this week, but uh, strictly focusing on Saturday night. 
uh, just tough, just, just tough. And it hurts. It hurts. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm not kicking and screaming upset. I'm just distraught. You know, I'm just almost at a loss for words. What happened on Saturday night? You got your ass whooped. That's it. You got your ass whooped and Clemson owns you. And, uh, you know, Dabo's been a build a hell of a program and they've earned the right to call themselves state champs and say it's their state and they've earned the right to talk trash. And I mean, Carolina's got to just do something about it on the field, man. You, you got to do something about it on the field. You don't, you don't like Clemson talking trash. You don't like Clemson flaunting this and doing that and that and how they do change it on the field, take action and change it on the field. And again, whether that's letting go of an offensive coordinator or that's going to the transfer portal and picking up somebody big, or that's just recruiting the right guys. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. So, um, that's it. You know, again, I, I, I'll say this. I, I thought the defense fought their asses off as much as they could, but same old story, man. Same old story. Many of the problems that haunted you this season, they followed you throughout this game. Couldn't run the football, couldn't stop the run, couldn't protect your quarterback. You mix all those things together, and what do you know? What you see is what you get, and that's the result. You are who you are, and hey, you're going to a bowl game. You're going to a bowl game, so at least there's that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to talking with you guys about it all week long. Because again, I know we're talking on therapy Monday, and I, I mean, we're going to be grieving this one all week, basically. Um, but. We're all still Gamecocks. I'm still proud to be a Gamecock and not a team I'd rather pull for out there. And there'll, there'll be brighter days ahead. There, there will be much more fun Monday shows after the Carolina Clemson game, I can assure you. There'll be much, much, much more fun podcasts and, and content after the Gamecocks play Clemson in football. There will. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know when it's going to happen. But at some point, there will be brighter days. There will be better days. There will be better games. There will be victories, believe it or not. Hey, Carolina's going to beat Clemson again at some point. Don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen at some point. Well, we got a long way to go. Got a long way to go. Uh, guys, this has been the TSUS Game Balls. And shockingly enough, or not shocking at all. There are none, I, you know, I, and I don't want to be that guy. And I, I do it for the content guys. There's just, there's no one there. There's no one. You know, I know Cam Smith had the interception Damani Staley legend tackles and attack of our loss, but it, it just felt very empty and baseless to hand out game balls. It, it did. It did. We do have a cock of the walk award winner, but no game balls, no game balls. You lose 30 to nothing on your home field arrival. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, I in good in good conscience. I, I can't hand out game balls. I, I just can't do it. Uh, let's move to Slat Dig of the Weekend. And I thought about this one long and hard. And this is not me saying fire the guy, or, but because again, I, guys, you might wonder, like Chris, why are you not leading that charge? Why are you not doing it? I, I'll tell you guys this again. Selfishly, I was the fire Will Muschamp guy. Okay, I was the fire Will Muschamp guy, and I don't really feel like jumping back on another fire a coach train. I am pro Shane Beamer. So whatever he wants to do, I fully support it 110%. And I think there are plenty of reasons you can make as why Marcus Satterfield should not be retained. No question. But again, do I put it all on him? Not necessarily, but 
I have to give my slap to get the weekend to Marcus Satterfield, guys. First time you've been shut out in the rivalry since 1989. And it comes at his hand. And the play calling was most certainly questionable on Saturday night. So many dump-offs and, and throws short of the sticks. And you really never try to go downfield and make a play. And I, I know you're limited personnel-wise, man. I, I, I get it. I, I know you are. I know you are. But that was a piss-poor effort. That was a piss-poor effort. That, that was abysmal, abysmal. So, you know, it, you know it, it might be you might need to upgrade personnel in some different areas, but it's Marcus Satterfield's offense. And that the fact of the matter is this, that offense put up a goose egg in that game on Saturday. So, I got my slap to get the weekend, Marcus Satterfield, guys. And finally, my cock of the walk award. You're thinking to yourself, who could he be giving this to? Guys, my cock of the walk award, it goes to you all. Gamecock Nation. Uh, Gamecock Nation, I think, deserves that pat on the back. I think Gamecock Nation deserves recognition for the environment they created inside Williams-Brice Stadium. And that, that pregame was, was incredible. I mean, truly it was. Truly it was. And, and like I said before, it's, it's a damn shame that there wasn't a better, more entertaining product put on the field. But uh, Gamecock Nation showed up, showed out. Nothing but great things to say. And again, that's why you guys win the Cock of the Walk Award this week. And I think, you know, how fitting. I think the Gamecocks fan base, we've been there all season long in the stadium. You guys deserve to be recognized. So, again, kudos, kudos. Kudos to all those who showed up and showed out and made it an incredible atmosphere at Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, so, again, guys, that's going to be my full breakdown, my recap of the, the Gamecocks game against Clemson. Again, Clemson won in their seventh straight against USC. 30 to nothing, and, uh, you know, tip your cap. Clemson owns you. It's their state. They got bragging rights. Let them brag. They, you know, earned every right to do so, and uh, it's Shane Beamer's job to change it, bottom line. It's Shane Beamer's job to change it, and it starts in recruiting and building, and, uh, you know, we'll talk more later in the week about perspective in year one, but, you know, one of his top priorities, I think, has got to be turning this rivalry around, and I, and I don't know exactly what it's going to take, but uh, do trust in Shane Beamer. But I look forward to the day when I don't have to say, hey, Clemson owns you. You know, I, I look forward to that. So, and it will come. It will come. That day will come. But uh, how soon? How soon? That's the question. So, all right, guys, let's move to a more positive note real quick. Uh, Gamecocks do get the win on Sunday. Gamecocks basketball, South Carolina men's basketball gets the win over Ryder, 65 to 58. Um, Overall, guys, you know, I'll be brief with it because, again, it is Therapy Monday, and I know we want to talk football. I'll be brief with it, though. Uh, good win. You know, the game, I'll tell you this, because of the Clemson game on Saturday night, very ominous vibe at CLA. I mean, it felt like a morgue, honestly, at CLA. And, again, I don't think that's anything that Frank Martin or this basketball team had done because, again, I think this team is fun to watch. And I think this team is, is going to be fun to watch. And, you know, I'm excited for Gamecocks basketball. I think most fans are as well. Uh, but, but after what happened on Saturday night, I mean, it, it just wasn't a lot of excitement in the building. And you got off to a sluggish start. And I joked on social media that this team was playing exactly how I felt. Um, but kudos to the guys for battling it together because it had, honestly, it had the vibes of the Boston, the Stetson losses, those bad losses, if you will. And so for the Gamecocks to avoid that huge letdown and find a way to get the W and, and you know, improve to five and one, that's what counts most. A dub is a dub is a dub. You know what I mean? And 
You don't take any W for granted, especially when you see the Gamecocks lose games like that. Of course, guys, my biggest takeaway from yesterday and the story of the game, Keyshawn Bryant made his return, and what a game it was. And he's still this team's best player. That's my biggest takeaway. Even with the time he's been out, you know, I I really thought Keyshawn was going to need a couple games to sort of return to his normal form. Uh, Not the case. Not the case. Keyshawn Bryant, still Keyshawn Bryant. He is still this team's best player. What a performance. And he wins our Shooter Shoot Award, by the way. Great performance. 17 points, five rebounds, two assists. Um, Loved what I saw from his game. Again, there's still plenty of things this team has got to clean up. The shooting on the outside wasn't nearly as good as it has been. You know, I guess maybe you could have seen that coming in regards to just, you know, you've been shooting it so well. You've been shooting it so well. Um, you thought maybe at some point, you know, you're going to have, I don't want to say a letdown game, but a game where you cool off. I mean, you still shot 40%, uh, but just 6 of 20, 30% from three. Also, 15 of 26 from the free throw line. So, again, you make your free throws. This game was a lot more lopsided than what you see on the scoreboard. But, again, you still find a way to get the W. Um, Our guy, Eric Stevenson, which in case you missed the news, Eric Stevenson, our first ever TSUS athlete. So there there is reason to be happy and optimistic and celebrate here on this Monday, at least specifically on the TSUS side of things. But uh, Eric Stevenson, our first ever TSUS athlete, if you have not seen that, that announcement will drop later today. But, um, yeah, double-digit points for him again. Jermaine Kuznar played well with 13. Uh, Wilden Levesque with nine continues his solid play. But, yeah, Keyshawn Bryant doing the thing, man. 17 points, uh, five rebounds, two assists. What a game for him. What a game for him. And again, he proves yet he's still this team's best player. So, like I said, guys, too much sloppiness. Definitely looked like a team that was, that was, that was sleepwalking for sure. But, uh, you know, 12 turnovers yet again. But, hey, a dub's a dub's a dub. You get the win, and you keep your early season momentum at five and one, which moves us to what is next for Gamecocks basketball? Wednesday, December the 1st, this Wednesday at Coastal Carolina. The Gamecocks will take on the Chanticleer 7 o'clock tip-off on ESPN+. Plus. So, again, South Carolina yet another non-conference game. We'll travel to Coastal in a game you feel like you feel good you should win, which will set up. If you can win that one, it'll be six and one. It'll set up a huge matchup at CLA, guys, on Sunday when the Georgetown Hoyas come to town. So again, a big early season matchup. You're five and one. Need to take care of your business on Wednesday. But again, things are setting up very well for you to continue to have a lot of success in the non-conference. And again, I'm still really excited, guys, for this Gamecocks basketball team. Uh, I love what I see from this group. They continue to gel. They continue to mesh. I think they're only going to get better and better and better. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them develop as we continue to go through non-conference play. So, um, all right, let's get news and notes really quickly, guys. And again, the one thing I just want to note and touch on, um, I know a lot of rumblings are happening around the offensive coordinator and what's going to happen with Greg Atkins and Marcus Satterfield. And, you know, guys, I've heard mixed things. You guys probably saw my tweet over the weekend that I said, thank goodness Marcus Satterfield has already taken another job. And um, that is what I heard. And then I heard that wasn't the case. So at this point, guys, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't. I don't. I, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of rumblings out there. But um, I don't know. I would just say stay tuned. I would say stay tuned. Be careful who you listen to, but stay tuned. It would not shock me at all if things don't go down this week. 
So um, with that being said, guys, let's get into your listener questions. We've got a lot of voicemails, a lot of questions, as you can imagine. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it. I want my money back. That has to be the most piss poor performance I have ever seen. This rivals what Will Muschamp had done at South Carolina. It is embarrassing to sit here and have to watch that live. Ray Tanner should never be able to step foot in Columbia again after tonight. It is embarrassing to watch these guys play with the way they do. You, you are not 30 points worse than Clemson. You shouldn't get shut out on 7.30 prime time on the SEC network. Bad. It's piss poor, and nobody should have to suffer through that after spending all day waiting for that shit to happen. It's embarrassing, and Sat needs to go tonight. But that's all I got to say, but it's whatever. It is. Because we're not 30 points worse than Clemson. We're not shut out on live TV at night worse than Clemson in williams Bryce. It's embarrassing. But, yeah. Appreciate the call, man. Appreciate the voicemail. A lot of, a lot of pain in my guy's voice, and I get it. I get it, man. I, I get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. All right, let's go to our next voicemail here. Oh, man. That was rough. Um, I don't really know how we recover from that other than doing well in the bowl, but fire Satterfield. Fire Greg Atkins, and good night. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Hey, yeah, winning the bowl game. Let's start there. Win the bowl game. We are hot garbage. Simple and to the point. <laughs> I appreciate the call. Simple and to the point. What's up, man? I respect you owning the loss. You honestly didn't seem like that much to dick once the game got going. But I have to ask, how did you have that bad of seat? I mean, I've I've been to Willie B before. I paid ten bucks, and I had ten times better seats than you. I'm just wondering. You literally had the worst seats in the house. How are you not paying a couple extra bucks to get better seats, man? All right, I'll hang up and listen. All right, I appreciate the voicemail, and I, I wanted to play this one by the way because this has been like the weirdest. I don't know if I'd call it flex or trash talk, if you will, because there's so many things that Clemson fans could say to yours truly or say to us in general regarding the game. But I had a lot of people chirping me for where I was sitting on Saturday night. And again, if you somehow missed it, uh, I was south upper and I was way up there, man. We were shaking hands with God, being a good buddy of mine. We were shaking hands with God. Um, Number one, I'd say this, though. Honestly, guys, that was the first time I've sat up there in a really, really long time. I thought the view was straight. Like, I don't think there really is a bad seat in the house. And I actually like the view from upper deck, being able to see the entire play and all that. But uh, one of my good buddies is a former player for South Carolina and former players get extra tickets or free tickets. And so Monday of rivalry week, of course, it was a hot ticket. And I certainly could have paid for my own seats or paid for a box or paid for this 
but I got two free tickets to Carolina Clemson. Like I, I, when he asked me, Hey, I don't know. He told me on Monday, he's like, I don't know where they're going to be, but do you want them for free? I'm like, yeah, dude, they're in the building. I don't care where they are. So I don't know. Just kind of a weird, kind of a weird trash talking point from Clemson fans, especially talking about the seats. Um, Again, I, I don't have season tickets because I go game by game because I, I run into tickets so often. There's no point in me having them. So, I don't know, man. I kind of like bouncing around the stadium, and that's just where the tickets happen to be. But, I mean, if you think I have – I don't know. I, I, that's – people have got the wrong guy. If they think I've got that much pride and that much ego, it's like, well, I'm, I'm too good to sit up here. Like, I'm the Spurs Up show. Like, who gives a damn? I'm a Gamecock fan in the stadium. Like, I don't care. That's such a weird, that's such a weird flight. I, I don't know. Sure, sure. Could I have paid like my, my, the, the guy who called it, could I have paid $10 and gotten a hundred times better? Seats? Maybe I could, but you know, I, I had tickets and I, I wasn't worried about it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. So weird flex, but okay. Weird flex, but okay to all the people on social media that are talking trash about my seats. And I mean, you obviously didn't see my view for Auburn. We were down there. Row eight or row 15 of section eight. I mean, we had great seats, great view. Um, but honestly, I, I didn't hate the view in the upper deck. I, I didn't hate the view in the south upper, but whatever. It is what it is. That, that just that, that was kind of one of the weirder, like trash talking points that people were making. And again, I, I know it's a rivalry, everything's fair game, but I don't know. Just seems strange to me. All right, let's move to our next voice now. Hey, good evening. This is uh, Ray from. Columbia. Been a year since I've called in and just wanted to check back in. And obviously, everybody's pretty excited after the uh, big game tonight. We're uh, much like the uh, 20, but much like last year's election. We're 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 really hoping some points start rolling in around two, three o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'm told this, the outcome of this game could look very different by the time uh, we wake up in the morning. So everybody. Be sure to be on the lookout for that. But once again, great season, great time to beat Gamecock. Once again, we're at South Carolina. We are just ahead of the curve on everything. Inflation is crippling this country, and inflation is no different in college football. Uh, points are inflating across the board, and I'm just very proud to say that, as you can see on the scoreboard, we're not inflating anything here at the University of South Carolina. So just very proud of the efforts from this team. Um Things may not have completely gone our way tonight. We may have missed on a pass or two here or there, but uh, you know we've got the uh, we got the Dr Pepper Challenge coming up in the ACC Championship next week. We're going to have our eyes on on both contestants in that uh, in that format. Maybe maybe we can get the Dr Pepper Champion uh, to uh, hit the transfer portal. Maybe get us some help at quarterback. Um, but but we're real excited where where things are standing going into next year. A lot to build on. Uh, we've got a we've got a phenomenal coaching staff. We've got I mean clearly we've we've got NFL level level coaches um, who are who are who are coming to coming to play here. Oh, hang on a second, hang hang on. I'm sorry, Shane. What's that? Virginia Tech's calling after that game. Oh, hang on. Yeah, here here's the checkbook. Extend him. Yeah, just. Just write him a check. For, he, he says Virginia Tech's going to offer him. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, just, just you know, we're hoping that maybe we can get a couple more um, double assistant graduate assistant to the assistant uh, NFL coaches maybe come in and help shore up our team. But, you know, as always, the, you know, our, our eyes on the ball are, you 
know, we're looking for the for the Palmetto Bowl championship. This, this game was a very minute part of that, but uh, I don't, I don't honestly don't even know. If, I don't think the people even really care about this game. Uh, I, I left in the second quarter, to be honest with you. But uh, again, man, great, great year, great. Um, we're heading in the right direction. Uh, just gotta gotta keep that rising. Rising tide, you know, as uh, as they say around here. So, uh, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great year. Go Cox. Spurs up. You know, I'll be honest, I'll probably be making the same phone call again next year. So, until then, hope you and yours have a great holiday season. <laughs> Ray, what a legend. It's so funny. So, I remember Ray called in. Uh, maybe it was 2019 after the App State game, or I, I don't know. But what a legend. I, I did not forget you, Ray. <laughs> I appreciate your sarcasm. I appreciate your sense of humor, and thank you for putting a smile on my face uh, on this Monday. What a what, what a what a legendary voice! But we might have to clip that and put that up on uh, on social media because that, that's incredible. That's incredible. Thank you, thank you sincerely, Ray, for that voicemail. I look I look forward to hopefully one of these days you can call in and leave a chipper voicemail and be excited and, and fired up and pumped up. But uh, God, th- thank you for providing us some humor here on this Monday. What's going on, Chris? This is Tyler from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, well, first of all, I want to say that that was abysmal. Um, I mean, I feel like there every game we've had this year, there's always some good stuff you can point out on offense tonight. It, it's really hard to find that. Uh, excuse me, last night. Uh, I'm calling on Sunday. Um, what I wanted to get your opinion now that it's the end of the year. I know we still got a bowl game left, but do you think it's time for Shane Beamer to start looking for different offensive coordinator? Um, what do you see going forward in the bowl game? Do you think Brown's going to get the start under center, or do you think Jeff's going to get the start under center? Well, um, still love our Gamecocks. We still got one more game to make the end of the season not as dreadful as it could have been. We could be sitting here on the Clemson loss, and that's it. Uh, nothing else left to Beamer for Beamer to prove his first year as head ball coach, but still got one more game. So we'll see what he can do uh, at a month's practice to get these guys back and get the ball rolling. Tyler, I appreciate the voicemail, man. Uh, I, I would tell you this. I've talked to enough, enough former players that, you know, ha- have their concerns around Satterfield. If, if there's a better option out there, I, I've got no objections to Shane making a change and going to get him. Now, I, I will tell you this because what's going to scare me is if there's not a move made, there are going to be a fair number of folks that, sh- that, that literally sell their stock. when Shane. And I, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair, um, but, you know, this is a cutthroat business, and when you don't produce, sometimes change has got to be made. Um, I think Jason Brown will get the start at quarterback uh, in the bowl game. You know, Zeb Nolan obviously coming in there at the end, um, and I think that was just simply because, you know, you couldn't get anything going uh, with Jason Brown, so what did you have to lose? But, um yeah, I think it'll be Brown in the bowl game. But 
like you said, man, not the ending we wanted, but uh, thank God that's not the end. There is a bowl game. You get all those extra practices, and and uh, yeah, we'll see who the draw is next week, and you know, hopefully, you can get one more win on your season. All right, one more voicemail, and then we'll we'll close it out with your questions and jump in our interview. Hey, Chris. Um, obviously, a rough game Saturday night. Um, really can't do much when. The O-line just wasn't giving you many, many chances. Um, Jason Brown really had no time to throw it. I know he made some ill-advised throws, but um, you can't blame him. I mean, he just didn't have much time to work. It's that same problem as Ed Nolan. He's even more mobile. So um, putting him in there wasn't really going to change anything um, with the offensive line problems. Um one thing I was surprised to see was the lack of creative play calling in the second half. Um, after the first half failed, I was expecting to see maybe some like flea flickers, something we saw in um, Florida. There's maybe some more reverses. I mean, there's just not, it's kind of just more of the same what was in the first half. Um, and um, I, I don't, I'm not with Greg Atkins staying. Um, I believe he should be gone during the offseason. Um, and I thought you did a great job um, exploring perspectives and uh, talking about how important perspective was this season um, and sticking with Satterfield. And uh, I was with you for most of the way, but. Uh, after that game, I mean, I just don't know. Getting shut out, I don't. I don't know about his job security. I don't. I don't feel he should have a role anymore here. Um, I think it's time to move on. But overall, um, good season. Hopefully, we can rebound in a bowl game. Spurs up. All right, appreciate the voicemail, man. Hey, make a lot of good points. And I, I'll tell you this again. I, I'm not like a Satterfield homer or loyal to Marcus Satterfield in any way. Um, you know, hire the best guys you can to help you win. That's it. And, yeah, you're right, man. When you get shut out at home in your final game, not a good look. Not a good look. So, you know, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Wouldn't bother me in the slightest if we wanted to make a change. So, but uh, you know, like you mentioned, good season. I, I I do agree with you again, though. Jason Brown, he made some ill-advised throws, but can't do much of anything when the offensive line can't block a soul. So, you know, everything's got to be improved, better, play calling, players, personnel, everything, everything. So, all right. Let's move into your listener questions. I'm going to run through these really quickly. TD Sims says Clemson owns us. You're right. Andrew, the textbook says fire Satterfield, fire Atkins, enough said. Joab Brown says pain. I hear you, pain. Uh, in glass, 2260. I'm not okay with not taking the final second field goal. I'd rather not get shut out. Okay, so this was the thing, you know, amongst people. I mean, dude, I think it'd be more embarrassing to kick the field goal down 30 to nothing just to avoid a shutout than actually getting shut out. I, I just, 
I don't know, man. People people wanted to – people were all over Muschamp for doing stuff like that. I, I, I'm glad Beamer didn't want to do that. Like, try to go for the touchdown. You can't get it. Don't just kick a meaningless field goal just to do it. So, I had no problem with it personally. See, Anderson 99 says, if Satterfield isn't fired, Beamer's going to lose the fan base. And see, that, that, that attitude is what I'm worried about. That, that attitude is what I am worried about. WF Caldwell 4, how big of an impact can our 2022 recruits make on offense? Because we need help now. Hopefully a major impact. Hopefully a major impact. Logan Lippincott says it's time to give up on Satterfield. Braden uh, Johnson, offense was dog shit. Bye-bye, Satterfield. Jay Painter, fire Satterfield and Atkins for the bowl game. Offense was pathetic. Uh, Pat Zach says horrible game. We couldn't capitalize on our defense turning the ball over and getting stops. Overall, the year was okay and not bad for year one with a new coach. Trace Taylor says, we need a quarterback. KJ Gonzalez, the story of our night, our O-line chasing after the Clemson defense, chasing after our quarterback. Indeed. Caleb Burgess on the bowl game. Indeed. Coleman Hall says, Dan Mullen for OC. Hey, why not? American Offshore says, kick the field goal. No such thing as a moral victory, but there is such thing as a shutout to a rival. Again, I hear you, man, but... It, the pain would be the same no matter what. I mean, really, truly, in my mind. Hey, I'm Blaine says, not a fan of impulsive decisions, but Marcus has to go. It's a business move. Fans are more than over. It starts with coaching. Remove Ray Tanner, Marcus Satterfield. Where is G.A. Mangus when you need him? Seriously. Uh, let's see. JBW says, favorite moment of the season? Great question. Um, and again, I, I, I'm going to spend more time later this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be... Thursday or Friday, but we're going to do a postseason award show and like a 2021 year in review for Carolina football. So I'll be able to shed more light on that when that comes. But there were, there were so many good moments, man. Do, do not lose sight of that. I mean, this team is six and six going to a bowl game. There were so many incredible moments. So, um, yeah, I'll talk more about that later in the week. But some that stand out, man, I mean, both the Auburn and the Florida games, I'll be honest with you, week one, Shane Beamer's debut. Um so many great moments. So many great moments in this season. The tailgate, the watch parties, you know, we had a blast. We had a blast. Uh, final question. Brad O'Kelly, what did I just watch? Why are we wasting time on Zeb? Play Colton or JB? I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. If they wanted to put in Zeb at the end of the game. I have no idea. All right. Hey, let's go ahead and close it out, guys. Therapy Mondays in session I know we'll be chatting with you guys all throughout the week on the podcast, as well as the Daily Crow. The Daily Crow should be very, very interesting this week. But uh, no, seriously, guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. I appreciate your love and support. Don't go anywhere. There, we got a great conversation, great throwback interview former Game Cox defensive lineman Philip Dukes as he joined me to detail his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. So again, guys, hey, appreciate you all. Hope you have a fantastic Monday. Again, keep your heads up, folks. Brighter days. Are ahead. Enjoy your Monday, folks, and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Philip Dukes. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2011 to 2015. During his career, he amassed 64 total tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. He played on some of the best defensive lines and best teams in school history. I'm very pleased to welcome the show former Gamecocks defensive tackle Philip Dukes. Philip, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. 
Yes, sir. Glad to be on, too. Absolutely. So, Phil, I want to start in the beginning for you because a uh, very interesting recruitment of you. You were a four-star prospect coming out of Manning High School. Uh, you were considering Clemson, Bama, North Carolina, South Carolina, obviously, and I believe it came down to Clemson and South Carolina. Uh, just kind of talk about the recruiting process for you and the, why you eventually chose that South Carolina was the right place for you. Uh, starting out with, uh, I was used to going and Clemson games. Traveling with my coaches and going to see everything. It took off my freshman year of high school when I actually went to see, was it Ole Miss? I think Ole Miss, number four Ole Miss, came to, came to Columbia. So, and he took me to my first game, my college game, and get the experience, the feeling. I love the excitement there. And it kind of winged me in when I was doing, in between recruitments, getting recruited. So, when more schools started coming along, but, I felt like South Carolina was home. They beat the number one Alabama team, and I fit in great with the players. We all connected, had a bond with one another, and it just felt like home. And I know my home was with the game cards. For sure. So, like you mentioned, you came in, Philip, at a time where South Carolina obviously was really starting its great run of success. Again, the best teams in school history from 2011 to 2013. You get there in 2011. Redshirt is a true freshman, but obviously you play – uh, under the great Hall of Fame head coach Steve Spurrier, who again really got it rolling as you got in there, uh, talk about your first interactions with Steve Spurrier. What were those like for you? Uh, it was great. He was a great coach. I mean, he loved laughing, working hard. He always knew what he was doing. I mean, it's somebody, he was a great guy. So I can't complain. Uh, whatever happened, whatever happened during my time at South Carolina, but I know he did turn his back on his players. So. He was a great guy, and I'm glad, and I thank him. I appreciate him for giving me the opportunity to play for the University of South Carolina. For sure. So, like I said, in 2011, you redshirted as a true freshman and come out of high school, Phillip. Again, you're a four-star prospect. You're rated the 13th best defensive tackle in the entire country. Uh, what was the biggest, I guess, adjustment for you going from high school to college? I mean, I had to beef it up a little bit, get stronger and faster. I mean – when I first got there, it was some big guys, so I know it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't been the same as in high school. I wouldn't been ever been able to, to push over guys and did things I did in high school. So I had to just focus on getting better, getting bigger, faster, and stronger, and getting my body adjusted to something totally different. I mean, it's so hard. It it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. It took a lot of dedication, hard work, and mindset and so I just had to set my mind and get ready and get prepared did you always know you were going to be a defensive tackle because I know you said you had to beef up and I think going into your senior year you're weighing at like 320 so obviously a defensive tackle weight but uh was that always the position for you or did you try to flip to end or I mean was it always defensive tackle for you it was always defensive tackle I mean if I had to play that position I could have did it too I know it is it, a big adjustment from high school to college because you got to know you have to key on certain things and de tackle. You still key on certain things, but I'd rather take on two people than try to cover running backs and tight ends and all that. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I want to ask you because, like I said, I mean, going through 2011, 12, 13, even 2014, you played on some of the best defensive lines in school history with guys like Devin Taylor, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, Byron Gerardo, just the, the list goes on and on and on of guys that you guys had. Uh, what was the what was the competition like between you guys? Because, I mean, the you know, the old saying, iron sharpens iron, I really believe in that that's true. And 
I have to imagine the competition within that room, within, within that defensive line room for you guys had to be absolutely insane with the amount of talent you guys had. I mean, being playing under my defensive coach was Coach Lauren my first two years there. I mean, the, the level of competition, it was up there. Everybody was on – everybody was – Everybody wanted to be that guy, that stand up guy, but it was a brotherly thing that we did. We all came together and know we had to work and put in the time for the team to be successful. So we competed every day, going against one another, getting better, make making sure everyone is well prepared for the things that was coming during that game week. Who who was the guy when you got on campus and maybe sort of took you under their under their wing, or maybe somebody you kind of looked up to or tried to model your game after? I mean, it was Melvin Ingram. I mean, I never seen a guy that could have Melvin Ingram. I'm mean, a bunch of guy. I mean, it's some of the guys that gave me just telling me to keep my head up every day because I felt like I was I wasn't sure if that what I wanted to do it or whatever. But looking at those guys, seeing how them guys competed and played and do their job and know their role and responsibility, it was Melvin. It was all the guys: Melvin Ingram, mm-hmm. Devin Taylor, uh, Davion. The Dixon brothers, we I mean, we all just competed competed with one another. So looking at them guys, talking to them guys, being with them guys mostly daily, on a daily basis, I learned a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the athleticism that South Carolina had at the defensive tackle position, really across the defensive line, was crazy because it's funny. I was looking at your Instagram before the interview and saw you doing a backflip, and then we all know what freak athlete Melvin Ingram is. I mean, I, I feel like the athleticism, athleticism you guys had on the defensive line was uh, – was was really crazy, and you really don't see it a lot anymore. Yes, sir. I mean, I think I, I surprised him with that, too. I mean, we was, at, we, was getting, so we was getting ready for a game, and I just said, Coach, I can do a flip. Coach, I told Coach Lauren, he was like, no, you can't. You see how big he is? I said, Coach, I can do a flip. He said, go ahead. I turned a flip, and like, he was like, there's no way in the world you just did a flip. So he said, oh, he called the other coaches and Call the other coaches around or whatever. He like, look at look at this, look at this. Do it again, Philip. And I did it again. So after that, I mean, we had we had a couple of guys like JT Surrett could have dunked. I could have dunked basketball. I mean, it was just so just like you said, it was so so much athleticism on the team, on the field, on the D line. So we just had to put it all together. You mentioned Brad Long, a guy that I feel like is still talked about in South Carolina circles for, again, the coaching job he did. I mean, again, coached some of the best defensive lines in school history. Uh, what was it about Brad Long, would you say, that he was able to pull that out of you guys and, again, turn you guys into – again, it was a lot of talent, but, I mean, what about Brad Long stands out as far as his, his coaching abilities on the defensive front? I mean, from a guy from Brad Long, he he knows what it takes to get to the next level. He know, He knows what it takes to – to beat the guy in front of us, he he find every little detail, every little detail to win a one on one battle, a two two on one battle. I mean, he just was so he was just so I mean, a hard coaching guy, but it was well worth it. I mean, I understand, I respect all the love he gave us, all the tough love. I mean, we had to go through something to get better every day. So he the one push out of us. I mean, I just, he was a great coach. For sure. So I, I want to move into, you know, going into that 2013 season, uh, Philip, because I feel like that's when you kind of really started to break out. You know, in spring of 2013, you were named most improved defensive lineman in the Garnet and Black spring game. 
Uh, that 2013 season, like I said, I, I feel like you kind of busted out. You had 14 total tackles, but a ta- uh, one and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble in that uh, Central Florida game. W- what kind of clicked for you, I guess you could say? I know, like you said, when you got on campus, you had to beef up a little bit. But what uh, what clicked for you where you were able to start getting in there and making an impact for South Carolina? Yeah, I was seeing all them guys making plays. And I said, I feel like it's my time to bring something to the team and show up and give my talent and show my talent too and pitch in and give everything I got. So I just sit down and start talking with some of the other coaches to see what I could work on. Went in the meeting rooms and look at films. I look at film on my own and see what I could could get better. So and watch and study film. So it took time, but I got there. I try to reach the peak and I give it everything I got. For sure. So I, I want to speak on really quickly. Obviously, again, you went to Manning High School. You picked South Carolina over Clemson. Uh, you guys took care of business against those, against those guys your first three years. You know, part of the five game winning streak. Just kind of talk about your experience in that Carolina-Clemson rivalry and how sweet it was to, uh, you know, to beat those guys the first three years you were on campus. I mean, it was great. It was unbelievable. Like, when I went to the games, you know, I was, I was sitting in the stands at first, but actually being on the field, being on the sideline, being dressed up with the guys and actually winning, winning and somewhat contributing to the team, it was a great feeling. Like, I would never forget. I remember when they – I think they had came to us that year, the first – my first year, well, mm-hmm. I read yeah. but the whole stadium, eighty-five thousand, probably more than that, was in the in the stadium. I mean, it was just it just unbelievable experience, and I would something that well, I would never forget. For sure. So I want to go back to that Central Florida game because, like I said, Philip, I feel like that was the the first big play that you made for South Carolina during your career was the forced fumble at Central Florida. Talk about that play a little bit, and then talk about that game too, because that was a crazy back and forth game, and. Obviously, South Carolina finally figured out it needed to give the ball to Mike Davis basically every single play, and, you know, you guys kind of ran away with it. But talk about that play, how it felt, you know, for you personally to kind of break through and get that first big play of your career. I mean, it, it was great. It's something that that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. It, it was Jared Dixon who caused one fumble and got it himself. So I said, okay, it's my turn to try to knock the ball loose. So. The quarterback running, and one thing Brad Lyon taught us is chase the ball, chase the ball, chase the ball. And I chased the ball, and I was rewarded with a forced fumble. And the fan, the fans we did have there, they went, they went crazy. I mean, the guys showed me love, bring, I mean, help out with everything. So it was just great. I can't, I couldn't believe it, but it was something that gave me motivation that I know I can do it. For sure. So I want to jump backwards a little bit to the 2012 Georgia game because uh, South Carolina obviously just going on the road, beating Georgia and Athens. Uh, Talk about that 2012 Georgia game for you, Philip. What were the memories from that? I mean, have you ever heard Williams-Rice Stadium louder than you did that night? Oh, no, I didn't. I mean, like when I put my helmet on, it seemed like it echoed everywhere. I mean, (laughs) I couldn't even hear myself think that how loud it was. I said, Lord, here we go. Trying to take out the beat number five team in the country. So we did what we had to do, took care of business. Everybody was out there making plays and having fun. The fans were having fun. We enjoyed the moment with the fans. The best fan base in the country. But it that was just un- unbelievable. To hear that much noise in the stadium, like, I really couldn't hear myself think. No doubt. So I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but back to the 2013 season, uh, you were part of the team that you guys – Go to Missouri, um, you know, obviously Dylan Thompson's getting the start, Connor Shaw injured. 
you know, we all know the story. Connor Shaw comes in fourth quarter. You guys are able to storm back, come back and get the win. Have you ever played in a crazier football game than that with so much dramatics and the comeback and going to overtime? The defense, obviously, I feel like you guys really, really put it on your back, you know, to to play your best football with, you know, your starting quarterback out for at least the first three quarters. I mean, just just talk about that game and kind of the emotions. You know, what were the emotions for you like once you saw that kick hit the uh, hit the upright? I mean, it was just one crazy game. Like they had some, they had some key, they had some big plays. They made big plays. We made big plays, but we put it all together. Like just to see that kick going and hit the upright. It, before it go, went up and hit the upright. I couldn't even watch it. I couldn't even watch it. I had to sit and turn my head, put the towel on my head. I said, "Lord, please, let's <laughs> win this game." So what happened was when when they say he missed, everything just break out, and I just know it was our time. We win it. We took. We took a we took a loss to Tennessee, a tough loss to Tennessee, and we came back and we fought it out as a team to beat Missouri. So that it, it's just been an unbelievable game. For sure. So I, I want to jump to because obviously, like I mentioned earlier, you played with Jadavion Clowney, and you were obviously I'm not sure if you were on the field, but if nothing else, on the team when he had to hit all that stuff. Being his teammate, um, when did you know that he was going to be? a special player and not just a special player like on your team, but I mean, nationally, you know, and obviously what he's doing in the NFL now speaks to that. But when did you know that he wasn't just an ordinary guy? This was a guy that had like a generational type talent. I mean, from looking at his highlights in high school, playing, running back, everything, doing everything on the field, defense, defensive end. I mean, even just so much about the guy, like when, Guy who played the first game and he came out with three tackles and sacks and doing what he loved doing and having fun. Like when we was on the field, time I get off the ball, he was gone. I know, I know I'm big, but love, I said, dang. <laughs> so I just knew he was fast, big, strong. I knew he he was the man and something you rarely see, but he had the talent. He still had the talent. I mean, one of the greatest teammates I ever meet, played with. I mean. It's something I can say about the guy. I just know he wasn't a regular person. Mm. For sure. So going into, you know, 14 and 15, I want to talk about your game specifically, though, Philip. What would you say? Because, again, you got better and better and better, I feel like, every single year. What was it from a scheme perspective or from your just own development? I mean, what was it about your game that you think improved the most while you were at South Carolina? I mean, my time at South Carolina, I think – how can I see it? I mean – Get better in my mind, better in my getting my body in seat and built for what was coming, and just try to be the leader. Them guys left, be be a leader just like them guys that left around who all came through. Never, never Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Holliman, DJ Swinger. It's so many people who've been a leader and role model. And that way, I was trying to do. And I say, if I want to take my game to the next level, I just have to step it up and prepare myself and get my mind right and be that guy and be the person that they need me to be and help the team. No doubt. So I, I want to jump again. 2014, you have another big play for South Carolina against South Alabama. You have a fumble recovery. Uh, just talk about that game again. I know 2014, the defense sort of, sort of took a little bit of a step back and there were different factors for that, but you're able to make a big play in a game for South Carolina. Just kind of reflect on that. I mean, I feel like looking back now, especially, uh, that's something that's got to be pretty special to you. I mean, that season, it was taking, that whole season was taking a turn. You know, things were falling apart, like you said. And just try to keep it together and have fun. I'm, 
And on that that Pacific play, I just saw the ball and I, oh, I got to get it, I got to get it. So when I when the ball was just floating around, I just dived on it and I came up with it. There's no way they was gonna take that ball from me. <laughs> and I said, we need a big, we need a big play. We got a big play. We got we got the fumble and they went down and scored. And it's something that keep giving we keep feeding off one another energy. So it's been a lot of guys out there who have been helping us get through this through the situation. So always was out there to have fun and do and play play the game we love. For sure. So 2015 obviously did not go the way you guys wanted it to go. Your senior season, uh, Steve Spurrier about halfway through the year announced his retirement. I mean, talk about just what's going through your mind because again, this is the guy that recruited you. Uh, this entire staff, really, but Steve Spurrier, the guy that recruited you, your head coach. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I think, Philip, you, you, your career very intriguing because you saw the South Carolina program on two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, but specifically the retirement announcement, if you will. What was going through your mind? I mean, what 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 was your reaction when you got the news that Steve Spurrier was going to be retiring? I mean. When I got the news, I, I was a little upset, but at the end of the day, I know that it was easy. It's easy to give up the thing you love, but I know at the time I can't give up. This is what I love doing. Everything happened for a reason, so all we can do is just keep pushing and keep going forward, move, get better each and every day. I mean, I, I wasn't gonna give up. I wasn't gonna stop playing, doing what I love doing. I mean, everything just like I said before. Everything happened for a reason, so. This is our time to get better. Either gonna make us or break us. So we just keep fighting as a team. No doubt. So Philip, I want to ask you because I feel like it's something. I've had a couple of your different teammates on that team on this show, but I haven't really asked them this. I want to get your opinion on it because I feel like it's not talked about enough. The job that was done by Sean Elliott. Uh, again, I know the rest of the season really didn't turn out the way you wanted, but I feel like he came in, was able to rally the troops, get this team together, and if nothing else, believe and play hard and go out there and. Uh, play hard for each other. Uh, talk about the job that Sean Elliott did. What was the relationship with the players like with uh, with Sean Elliott? I mean, it was very intense and something I love. This was a guy that I talked to every day. When I was going to practice, I'd speak to him and shake his hand or do something. Do something where he always had something positive to say. I mean, we tough it out. We he put he pushed us, pushed us, pushed us, and we keep going, keep going. He brought a lot of energy to the team when Coach Spurry resigned. So that one guy, I think, for giving me an opportunity to play as well. He gave me my first start in my senior season. He also keep my head up, keep my head up, keep everybody head up in the game. So that one guy, I wish I had another year to play with, to play for. So it was just unbelievable. That was a guy, like, he brought a lot of energy. Everybody been feeding off his energy. I mean, it was just, he just was a great guy. For sure. So talk about, you know, Philip, obviously your career ends at South Carolina 2015, a very successful career. Again, like I said, I think it's just really interesting that you were a guy that you saw the highest of highs, you saw the lowest of lows. I mean, you really saw it all at South Carolina, but you get done with your career at South Carolina. Talk about for me, what was next for you? I mean, as far as trying to pursue, I'm, I'm sure you were trying to pursue professional football. Like what, uh, what was next for you after your career? Cause I feel like a lot of Gamecock fans are, are unfamiliar with kind of what happened next for Philip Dukes. I mean, I I tried I tried out for the NFL, got released by one team and really didn't have no one to talk for me like that. So 
I just went on. I tried for the CFL. I gave my I gave it my all, and I know it came to an end. So I went back to my old high school, started helping and coaching my old high school, giving back to the kids and let them know what it takes to help them get where they need to be in life. And just that, I know I I know I could have do it, and I know others that can do it too. So I'm just trying to motivate the other ones to do better and do better than what I did. Give them my knowledge. Uh, my perspective on being a college athlete. That's awesome. So when you look back again, Philip, a, a great career. When you look back on your career at South Carolina, uh, I know you probably have a lot of them, but what, what's one memory that sticks out to you that's your favorite memory uh, in Garnet and Black? Uh, my favorite one was when we beat, well, it all, it all the games, when we beat Clemson at home, Three years, well, two years, two years back when we were beating Clemson, it's just that it, it wasn't so many people out here being Clemson fans and everything. Everybody used to come talk to me whenever I do come home, Clemson did Clemson that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was so much, but when we were winning, they didn't have nothing to say. So beating Clemson five years in a row, like that did its thing. So hmm. that was great, man. I'll never forget. So, Philip, I want to get your take on the uh, the current state of Gamecock football. Obviously, again, proud alum. I know you're someone that still follows the program pretty closely. Will Muschamp taking over after Steve Spurrier. And I think there was a lot of talk and a lot of question about the direction of the program and just kind of how things were going. South Carolina, though, goes to Athens, gets a huge, huge win. I mean, arguably one of the biggest wins in school history, probably the biggest upset ever in school history. Uh, talk about, you know, just as an alum, your thoughts on the program, kind of the direction of the program, and uh, that, that Georgia game, obviously – uh, what what are you seeing, and what are your thoughts on kind of where things are going with South Carolina football? I mean, it takes it takes game by game, uh, play by play, every second every second count. I mean, everybody it is not how you start; it's how you finish. And I feel like them guys coming together as a team and playing for one another and listening to the coaches and understand what they have to do. And for them to beat Georgia in Georgia between the edges. They did the job. They got the job done. They played together. They never laid down. They never sit down. You had guys like Ken Law who who wasn't gonna get taken out the game. That was that what it takes. I mean, if you want to win, you gotta sacrifice yourself sometimes. And he did that. The whole team they sacrifice themselves. They suck it up and keep playing. They keep playing as a family, and I, that's something I love seeing. So I know it. In more time, they're gonna stick together. I know more time they will come together. It just take, it just take a little bit of time, and I believe in them. I never give up on them any time during the season. For sure. So I'm really intrigued to ask you, Philip. Obviously, as someone that played the position, when you watch Javon Kinlaw, which I mean, I, I'd say he's been a one man wrecking crew all season. But when you watch Javon Kinlaw at defensive tackle, what do you like about his game? What do you see in his game that you think could translate, maybe even to the NFL? Or what what do you what would you say makes him such a successful player? at the defensive tackle position for Carolina? I mean, he uses his hand very well. He get off his ball, and he is determined not to be stopped. I mean, he always go, he give a he give 110% effort every time, every snap, everything he got to do. He always bring them guys together. I mean, they having fun on D-line. They celebrate together. They cheering one another on and supporting one another. For him to, to be that strong and powerful, I mean, it been one time during the game when he pushed and pulled someone, he pulled him over. So I know he got what it takes to get to the next level, and I'll I be following him every day. 
no doubt. So, Philip, I'm going to let you run, but before I do, uh, kind of a uh, lighthearted question, if you will. Your funniest Steve Spurrier story, or just story in general, when you were at South Carolina? <laughs> the funniest one, the funniest one I, I remember was, man, we was getting ready to play in the bowl game, and I didn't thought about, uh, we were doing the play, and Steve Spurrier was standing on the sideline, and so when the play was almost over or whatever, the quarterback take the ball and throw it to Steve Spray and he started running down the field and he, he tumbled over. So that's something I couldn't start laughing about. That was funny. I ain't never seen him run like that. <laughs> which uh, which bowl game was that going into? I think it was it was uh, uh, the Outback Bowl. Right. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Philip, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. Obviously, you know, a pleasure to speak with you. And I, I know I can speak for Gamecock Nation when I say we really appreciate what you did in Garnet and Black again. I mean, part of definitely, without a doubt, the best teams in school history and for sure the, the, uh, the best uh, defensive lines in school history, as well as, you know, a pleasure and a, an honor to watch you uh, don the Garnet and Black. And, you know, appreciate you taking the time. Love to have you back on sometime to talk some ball. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be back on. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.